ACL Nation, what's going on? It's me, Michelle Thompson with Around the ACL. I'm joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about some pro-invitational analysis, some news around the league. We're going to have Jeff McCarriger on later. So lots of good stuff to get into. Uh, my weekend was unfortunately spent on the couch sick, but how was your weekend, Trey? Uh, my weekend was... Uh... Pretty pretty chill. I uh, I'm still a little sore from filing my taxes. So um, oh. other than that, <laughs> not too bad. That I got to go to fun. Charlotte FC. Charlotte's got a brand new uh, soccer team, MLS team here. Uh, so I got to go to that. That was so that, that was cool. It was actually pretty cornhole free, to be honest with you, which is very unusual for me. Okay, I mean mine was too, but not for my husband. <laughs> Just for me. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Anthony? Uh, yeah, tax tax theme for me uh, Saturday too, Trey. I was I was like an eight hour deep dive um, digging through all that stuff. Uh, but so my wife's a realtor, and I've been doing Ooh. this forever. So I'm I've learned a lot. I'm gonna call myself an accountant at this point. I've learned a lot about <laughs> taxes. Um, but you know, it's just it's just work to mine all the information out and get it organized and get it put in. And then Saturday, uh, another basketball tournament. So we uh, we were in the gym for about seven hours on, on, sorry, Sunday. And then we went right from there to a Nuggets game, the last game of the season. So uh, nice. some, some free tickets popped up and it was like, Hey, do you guys want to go? It was like, do we want to go? Yep. We want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Pile it on top. <laughs> right. Let's right. do it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk about the pro invitational analysis. We're going to take a look at the top current men and women that would currently qualify to be at the pro invitational. So right now we have our top eight men as Matt Guy, Alex Rawls, Mark Richards, Josh Holland, Jamie Graham, Philip Lopez Jr., Jimmy Humans, and Matthew Creekkiller. So what do we think about this group? Do we think that this is it? This is the one that's going to stay? Do we think some people are missing? What are your thoughts, Trey? Yeah, initially jumping out at me at that list, I honestly think that the rankings are have actually done a pretty good job so far. I would say yeah. of anything – the top five feel right. Um, the top five feel right with six, seven, and eight probably being the biggest case for some some level of mix-up. I mean, I would say Jimmy Humans probably has the strongest case built in there. But but again, Creek Killer with already a win. What if if he gets the you know drop Vegas and he consistently finishes higher? I mean, he he almost feels like he's going to be a, a strong candidate to, to be guaranteed in there. I think. If we're looking at anybody to jump in, I think the obvious one that that stands out to me is Jordan Power, just because he had to. He has a zero on one of his nationals, which he's not. He's gonna not gonna end the year with that zero. So I expect him to get into that top eight. But if there's a case against him, it's that he's gonna be a low seed the rest of the way up until those pro um, until that until that world championship in which he'll be kind of back where he should be, if you would. So. Um, I think Jordan Power. I look, don't overlook Trey Birchfield getting in there too, right? Trey Birchfield, he's all the way back up to 19th. He was sitting at, I believe, like 39th or 30th or something like that before the second event. He gets all the way up into the top 20, meaning that if he drops Vegas and finishes strong the rest of the three events, he's gonna find his way back into that top eight. So those two stand out for me as ones looking to get in. But overall, I at least think the top five are pretty solid and what we should expect the rest of the way. Yeah. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, Trey, you nailed it. Top five are pretty set. Guy, Rawls, Richards, Holland, 
Graham. Uh, I think the key to these is people like Guy and Rawls are sitting pretty with those bonus points uh, with the with the playoff wins. I mean, those are going to be huge. And then checking in really good tournaments so far, they have a chance to drop a bad performance. I mean, they could take a 35th or something, clear it out and, and, and still be okay. But like you said, it, it's six, seven, eight where it gets where it gets interesting. In my opinion, fighting it out is going to be humans, Creek Killer. You got Halbert in there, power. You said it. Don't count Birchville out. I also wouldn't count Windsor out. But for six, seven, eight, I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna go all carpet baggers. I think these guys have a similar approach to their game. They play an elite level dirty game, but don't rely on the roll bag. And I think that is really, really important. I think the confidence that Creek Killer gained. At Nationals, numbers two is trouble for everyone. I mean, you match his dominating play with a confident mind. I think he's a world champion. Um, I'm going to throw Jimmy Humans in there. I think that he's broke in and he's not leaving in the last spot. I think will be kind of a stretch, um, but I feel pretty good about this one. Maybe arguable Trey is Devin Harbaugh. I think he yeah. finishes the season strong, sitting at 15. I think he can finish the last three one strong and sneak into that top eight. And one, one, one last thing I want to add too is. Something to think about and to ponder is I think it's going to be it is going to be an easier road if you look at the standings right now for someone that has a high and a low finish currently in order to get in versus someone who has two solid finishes. And yes. the reason for that is if you look at how the point system is done, you do get to drop that lowest, meaning that someone like a Creek Killer who had a poor performance by his standards and then a win. He's in better shape because that that poor performance is essentially going to get wiped completely clean yes. off of his slate. So that plays to his advantage and compared to someone like a Philip Lopez, who is top six because he's had two really solid finishes, not necessarily one that was uh, winning a tournament or coming in second. Yeah, fair point. Let's move on to women. We have Cheyenne Renner, Sarah Cassidy, Kaylee Hunter, Yeti Irwan. Megan Maupin, Miranda Coy, Whitney Martinez, and Daniela Luna. What do we think about that top eight? Yeah, so I think the biggest shock of who's not there. I mean, we've we've talked about this. No Sam Finley, no Rosie Streaker, yes. no Lori Duell. I mean, yep. a lot of the, you know, Christine Packey, some of these big, big-time winning females Connie. not in this top eight. Where's Connie? Yeah, Connie. Like no Connie Altrice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just a shocker there. I think we'll see a lot more volatility here because the women's, you know, some of these women that are in this top eight are sitting just over top 100 in the overall ranking. So it's not as if Rosie Streaker, who's sitting where she is, has to go all the way to 10th place in order to get into this, right? So I think we're going to see a lot more movement on the ladies' front. I guess the last thing before I turn it over to Anthony is just how dominant are Shine Renner and Sarah Cassidy? I mean, Sarah Very Cassidy. Dominant. I mean, very how, dominant. Sarah is Sarah too. Is just in a way, she almost gets overshadowed by Cheyenne. But mm -hmm. number two ranked female, she just continues to win. You look at some of her performances, conference events, and statistically, you know she's like third or second in the entire pro division in rounds tied. So when you play her, she's gonna grind it out. I mean, it's gonna it's it's absolute marathon to beat someone like Cassidy. So. Um, those two certainly feel like just a, a force to be reckoned with for, for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, shoe wins. You said it, uh, Cheyenne and Sarah. Not not just dominant now, but they did it last year too. So they're showing consistency year to year. Top four, I mean, you got to throw Hunter and Moppet in there. I think shoe wins right there. 
those two ladies also showing history going back to last year. They've been doing it for a while. The next two ladies for me, I think will also make that top eight share kind of a similar success, not out of nowhere, but just kind of new success this year. And that's Irwan and Miranda Coy. I mean, yeah. let's face it. Yeti does not have a beautiful bag. I mean, it, it, it's, it leaves a lot to be desired, but she's outworking the inefficiencies and imperfections in her throw. She's throwing hours and hours a day. Her line is getting solid and her airmail has, has improved exponentially. Then you got Koi, who's a different story. I mean, she's got model technique, yeah. beautiful, predictable bag, but I think she's trying to figure out what am I doing with this roll bag that I can do? Am I doing it too much? Should I be, should I be playing more of a, you know, chasing the hole a little bit more? I think if she can figure that out, she'll definitely be top eight, but I think, I think that's kind of where she's struggling in her game a little bit. The last two spots. I mean, you, you named most of those ladies, five of those eight were shootout champions from last year, you know, dual Belvin, Finley, streaker, Papke woman of the year, Mariah cup, nowhere in the discussion rookie, uh, Altice with a second in, in at the world. So, I think the last two spots, though, Lori Duell, I think you can't deny how well she's playing this year. And then I think coming in with a, with a solid finish the last three events, I think Connie Altai squeezes into that top eight. Her line to the hole is top, top notch. Just at, not in women's, but in the game period. I'm blown away that she is not already sitting top eight. I see her making a strong finish to the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you brought up Maya Cup. That's a good point as well. All right, let's bring Mike on to talk about some fun cornhole stuff. We're, we talked a lot about the uh, rookies, but Mike's going to talk about something different today. So, let, so welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, guys. So uh, Mike, we've given a lot of love to the rookies in the past. So I wanted to take a, a minute and go back and look at some of the veteran players. So over the last uh, – this is our – Trey, correct me if I'm wrong – we have had two full seasons of pro singles, and this is our third full season of pro singles, correct? Uh, so first pro singles event was 2020. So, yes, 2020, 2021, 2022, their third full season of pro singles. Right. So I, so I looked up all of, the, uh, all of the players. I looked through all the season standings, and I found 101 players that have been in the pro division – that have played pro singles those first two full seasons and are playing this year in the pro singles division. So there's 101 players that have got three, well, two and a half now seasons under their belt um, as professional singles players. So with that being said, let me just throw out there the obvious players like Matt and Brett Guy. Um, they're not included in what I'm getting ready to talk about because they missed that first full season Um in the, in the singles realm. So uh, 101 players wanted to look at who was the most consistent. And uh, I want to give you guys, like I like to do some guesses. I looked at the, the finishes and I came up with the average finish. Ryan Windsor. Where they stand this year. <laughs> and I want to ask yeah. who you guys think is, is leading the list. Ryan Windsor. Where they stand right now as well. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, Anthony's going to go with Ryan Windsor. I I, I can't fault that, right? Um, I'll I'll probably if I really got to think about it. I mean, if Trey Birchfield is on that list, I can't remember if he's technically. It was he in the one hundred and one. I can't remember if yes, he had. Yes. Okay, yeah. Birchfield's got to be up there. He's not going to be as up there as high as Windsor was. Henderson's going to be up there. 
Uh, maybe in someone like a Kyle Damon. Malone. Damon Dennis might be up there. Yeah, that's another Did good Jamie one. Did Jamie Graham play in 2020? Yes, yes Jamie Graham, absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, a great one. He blew up. He was yeah. Yeah, Jamie, yeah, Jamie, Jamie Graham, sure, for sure. I actually that you know what, Michelle, that was a good one. I actually might take Jamie Graham as if I it's not Ryan Windsor at yeah, if, if it's not Ryan Windsor, see what I did? It's either Ryan Windsor, it's either Anthony's guess, or it's either Michelle's guess. I'll take one of those. Two. Uh, Way to go, Trey. Uh, All right, so so the answer is, is I mean, there obviously is a, a, a number one best answer, but all of those answers were good. You, you rattled off the top four most consistent players. Um, the most consistent player, again, factoring in this season so far where they stand, is Damon Dennis. Wow. He had a sixth place, a third place, and he's currently sitting in 16th, which gives him an average of eighth place. Um, next on the list was Trey Birchfield with a seventh, a first, and currently sitting in 19th. So he averages ninth. Jamie Graham, a first, and then he dipped really badly last season to 27th. And now he's rebounded this year to a fifth, so he sits at an average of 11. And then Windsor, Two seconds in a row, and then this season sitting in 36th, he's uh, got a 13 average. So he can still bring that up quite a bit. Um, not sure if he can get all the way back up to, to second to get three seconds in a row, but uh, he's got a good shot at moving up quite a bit. So anyway, I thought it was interesting to see who was the most consistent uh, players uh, across the board. And then the next thing that I wanted to look at was – Players that have been around for a while that we're used to seeing, right? And who's in danger? Um, again, I think, you know, Anthony had mentioned this and I, and I told him before that, uh, you know, danger might be, you know, a bit strong of a word right now. But if the season were to end today, who would be outside the top 100 um, of these players? So um, just wanted to rattle off a few names to you that might be eye-opening, that are big names. Right now, Josh Gross, um, he's sitting in 103rd. Ryan Smith, 106th. James Baldwin, 111th. Yep. Jay Corley, 126th. Eric Anderson, yes. 139. Now, he was a 10th and a 13th place finisher the last two years. So this season has kind of smacked him in the face, and I know he's working hard to, uh, to overcome that. Um, but Philip Hayden also 139th. Um, and then I don't have to look too far. Uh, Matthew Morton sitting in 150th. So those are all players that we're used to seeing around a lot. They've been here for the first three seasons. And if the season were in today, they would have to be relying upon uh, the, the panel to let them back in. So any, any of those names surprise you? I mean, they should all be a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, which, which one would surprise you guys the most? All of them I, I know I've got mine and it's not, it's not my son necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of them surprised. I think the one that surprised me the most is uh, Eric Anderson. I mean, you said a top consistently top 15 back to back and then 130, whatever. So I talked to him a little bit about this and this is where it kind of comes into play. I mean, bag choice is so, so important, especially when you're switching partners. So, there's a struggle there trying to find a bag that he can throw in a part, you know, in a doubles and still continue to throw in singles. So I think they were on those wizards or warlocks, it, you know, for a guy like Eric Anderson, speed is super important. 
what kind of hop he's getting out of those bags, you know, particular resin and what materials are going to match up is really important. So he wasn't finding so much success with those bags, but now grinding back out to these, to these Vikings, um, he, he seems pretty confident we're going to see a change. So I'd be excited to see if that, if that's what actually happens. Yeah. Eric was my biggest surprise as, as well. Um, Trey, you you have anyone that you think is more surprising or equally surprising? Yeah, you know, James Baldwin is almost not surprising because he's so up and down, right? If James Baldwin's <laughs> yeah. either got it that day or yeah. he's not. Like anytime, if I see James Baldwin go one and two, I have zero percent worry. Like z- there's no yeah. worry in my mind because I'm like, well, just not the day today. I mean, next week yep. it could be, right? So that's not necessarily a surprise. I'll go a little bit off the wall here and say. Don't look at it through the lens of six months ago to now. Step back two years. Is there a bigger shock on that list than Josh Gross? Josh Gross, even three years ago in 2019, we were talking about going into every single tournament was the pick to win. And who was going to outslide Josh Gross? Wins an advanced doubles world championship. Makes it to multiple finals. Shoot, in 2020... At the very beginning of the season, we saw him come out and make a huge run, come up just short at the end of Ryan Windsor, who made it all the way to the finals. But in that game, there was a double dip in which the double dip was split in that bracket final. I mean, we were talking about Josh Gross, Jamie Graham, Ryan Windsor, Josh Gross. Those are the conversations that we were having. And now to see where he is now, from a big picture perspective, it's it's almost a shock that we've seen that level of play get to where it is now. Gross doesn't surprise yeah. me as much in in its singles that he surprises me, or it's doubles. Sorry that it surprises me. Singles, not so much. I mean, as a standalone player, he hasn't had as much success. Um, so yeah, singles. Yeah, Josh, Josh's not. rankings went from thirty uh, second in two thousand and twenty to 62nd last year to 103 so far this year. So Yeah, and, and I guess maybe I'm thinking even further back because that 2019 year was electric for Josh Gross. I mean, yeah, Josh yeah, Gross yes. in 2019, yes, we didn't have pro single standings. To, so to your point, the data is not going to show that. But Josh right. Gross was the top five player yeah. in 2019. And, I know, and, and that's just – regardless of what the open standings or at the time what we were calling – uh, national standings, regardless of what those showed, he was a top five player in the world in 2019, and now he's over 100. Yeah, and also you guys haven't mentioned. Nice. You guys haven't mentioned one that I was sort of my second place uh, surprise. Ryan Smith. He went Ryan from 22nd to 18th surprise. to 106 so far this year. So again, I I can't I can't slow us down enough to say it's not danger time yet. We're only two tournaments in. Um, one of these tournaments are going to be dropped. Um, it's very easy that any of these players could end up, you know, ranked in the top 25 by the end of the year, but it's going to drop one week tournament. Um, but anyway, it's weird to see some of those names um, that far down the standings. Uh, and, and again, not the biggest surprise, but my son, Matthew, 8th to 47th to 150th. So that that's a pretty steep decline as well. So again, I, I'm going to lump him in the category of Eric Anderson. I'm not sure there's anybody right now that's working harder to turn their game around than I know those two are. I'm sure the others what, are as what well. Bags, right? What bags are uh, Matthew throwing these days? Um, right now, Matthew is throwing the offside 2.0s. Okay, so he went from GCs or the Game Changers to the 2.0s. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's okay. he's had a few stops in between it on the all slides. He tried the game changer steadies for a while. Um, now he's he's settling in on the all slide two point So, is he throwing the the uh, stick side of that bag predominantly on on the two O's? He he. In order to fix his throw, he switched over and started throwing sticky side down in order yeah. to get his bag flatter. And now he has just recently flipped it back over to slick side, and he's starting to find a lot of success replicating his old throw. So he fixed his throw, got his bag to come be flatter by throwing sticky, and now he's back to slick side. Yeah, this it's a drastic change. So I'm going through an experiment right now. Since the beginning of the year, I went from carpet to an all slide. So I'm throwing a fast flag all year and it is drastically different. I've had this conversation with a few pros. So your release point on a super fast bag is going to be a little bit higher, right? Your higher release. And what we see is we see something called drifting. So basically the higher you release your bag, the harder it is to get over to a flat palm. So you kind of have a, you know, a, a non-throwing hand side tilt or a, or a slice tilt and you get these drifts. Yeah. So for a right-hander, you'll get this slight movement left every once in a while, and you're like, what the heck is that? Because you're so used to releasing low, now you're releasing higher. That is a big challenge that Eric Anderson is having right now with the fast bags, also myself switching over to fast bags. So it's it's a drastic change to go from one speed to another. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. So um, I know we had a, a little bit of time issues last time, so I didn't prepare a whole lot of extra stuff beyond those two things. But I do have all the stats up in front of me if you guys are curious about a player um, as, as to what they look like over the last three years. I can, I can rattle it off for you if you'd like. Anybody Misha's going to cut about? you off, Mike. Misha's going to cut you I'll off. I'll take one. What's Henderson? <laughs> Cody Henderson. Cody Henderson? Uh, let's see. Cody Henderson. 27th, 4th, and 76th. Wow. This year so far. Again, we know he had the really bad draw to start the year. So, right. Well, so I like it. Uh, it's like interesting it. stuff when you start looking at how these players, you know, the, the, the trend lines. I'd like to put together a graph chart that's got the trend lines of the ups and the downs of these players. Um, one more, and, Mike. One more. Yeah. Just came to mind because this, this is a top 10 guy back to back years. Eddie Grindersleeve. Eddie Grindersleeve. Let's see. 10th, 10th, and he's sitting in 44th right now. 44th, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was close. So, there you go. That's a good call, Anthony. That's a good Yeah, call. He, he falls into what I was getting ready to say. It's interesting to see some of these players that have been around for a while. As the new rookies come in, you know, it only makes sense that, you know, unless they're working hard to get, to get a lot better, they're going to start dipping down in those standings. You know, the more rookies come in and take, take over – um, so a lot of these veterans, you'll see that they're, you know, maybe a 10 to 20% decline every year. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I like that we're giving the veterans some love for a change. That's yeah, nice. We need to give the vets some love. <laughs> yeah. We talk about the rookies way too much lately, including <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Mike. We appreciate you. All right. Take care. Thanks, Mike. All right, moving into high or low. So I'm going to give you guys uh, a player and their ranking, and you let me know if you think they're going to finish higher or lower. So we're going to start with Alex Hicks. He's currently at sixth. Trey, do you think he's going to finish higher or lower than sixth? Oh, this one is so tough. I'm going to go lower as in worse. I think he finishes maybe seventh or eighth. Um, I just look at who's ahead of him, right, and who's yeah. he going to displace. 
I mean, Matt Guy, Alex Rawls, Mark Richards, Josh Holland, Jamie Graham. You got to pick someone in there that he's going to finish better than. I, I don't think I can do it. Makes sense. Anthony? Trey, I saw this one. I'm like, this guy's messing with me. Because I picked Hicks, <laughs> I picked Hicks at sixth last week. There was like five sick lace guys you could have picked. So yes. you're like, I'm gonna make this guy choose one yes. side or the other. This is for you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling pretty strong about this. I like higher. I don't wow. think we've seen the best of Alex Hicks. We I, I'm, I'm standing behind what I said. We're gonna see Alex Hicks on a on a linear broadcast this year. It's gonna have to be in singles. I think he finishes higher. What? I, yeah, I don't hate it. Like... It's not. It's it's not that bold. Okay. It's don't not we that all bold. Like that but high, look at the names you just listed. Day. He has to. He has to dump one of those guys. That's that's tough. I feel like we could add that third one: high, low, or stay. Right? <laughs> Does that... Oh, that's the easy oh, way what? out. You're gonna that's give easy. now. You're gonna let Anthony break rules. <laughs> <laughs> What's the... Yeah. I'm just saying. What if you agree Michelle, with the Come on. I thought we were on a team here. That the we referee. You're the referee on this show. It's a valid point. All right, Tanner Halbert currently at 11, high or low? I'll, I'll go higher on this one. I think he finishes yeah. better. I think um, I, I don't care who's all ranked sixth there. He's he, you know with 17 people ranked sixth place. He's he's getting over you know he's getting over him. I think he finishes ahead. If I had to pick one, I think he gets ahead of Philip Lopez. So I think okay. uh, that's that's where he breaks into that top 10 and, and gets higher. Anthony agrees. Yeah, good call. So it, to go higher than 11th, you got to be a top 10, right? We have we have to point this out. If you're going to be a top 10 player, guaranteed chance you're going to be on a featured court with a camera and an audience. There's a lot of top 10 talent out there, but they they tend to crash under or crack under pressure. Tanner Halbert's a proven champ. He's been under pressure yep. a number of times. I like him higher. All right. Damon Dennis currently at 16th. High or low? Man, this is the Damon Dennis trap. Right. Because I want to say lower. Right. You watch Damon Dennis. You're like, I mean, he, eh. but that makes me pick higher. It's like the gambling <laughs> side. right? You, get, you, you go gamble and you're like, everything is telling me to bet the under. So I bet the over. And that's what I'm doing. I'll say it's higher. Right. I say you finished like 14th or so. Anthony. Yeah. Check this out. Damon Dennis has lost twice this year to Philip Lopez. Twice. And both times it dropped him out of the brackets. I refuse to believe Philip Lopez is a better singers, singles player than Damon Dennis. You're not going to outrun bags to the hole with him. Is his block and strike game really that good? I don't know. I think Damon just had a couple of tough losses that forced him into his 16th ranking. I think he's better than his 16th. I'm going to go higher. Oh, that okay. surprised me a little bit that you agreed with me. That's funny. <laughs> Noah Almanza, 20th, high or low? I think this one's. I think this is just as good as Alex Hicks's place. I think he's right at twenty. I'll say lower because he's had such an amazing first half of the season. People's got a scouting report on him, if you will, now. So maybe he gets a little bit more of 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 kind of adversity there. I'll say lower. Anthony, I was bought into Almanza at the start of the season as a top fifteen. I mean, he came in fire, right? Legit, one of the best pitches in the league but he's yet to beat a top 10 player and only one win against a player inside 25th this one pains me Mish, but i'm gonna go lower oh it's so painful all right eric davis 23rd high or low i i i cannot say lower no i i, I refuse i don't even care 
Anthony can give me any statistic he wants here. I'm not <laughs> telling you that Eric Davis is going to finish worse than 23rd this year. It's just it's physically impossible. So higher. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. So great. I'm with that. Straight up, Eric at 23rd <laughs> feels wrong. I mean, I think the, I think the shot crafting and the over aggressive play is hurting him a bit. But in that same breath, I mean, we're calling matches and I'm like, oh, he shouldn't be doing this. And then he pulls off a shot or some crazy collect and he shuts me up all the time. But I mean, look at it. He's beat dudes like Jordan Power. He's beat the singles champ Creek Killer and his losses are coming all from top 10 dudes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one, uh, Trey. Higher. There, I can't see him finishing uh, any, any, any lower. I think Eric Davis only loses because he gets bored. And he's like, I'm going to do this crazy thing. I mean, why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't just play a, like a boring, normal game. I have to do something crazy. That's, that's my take on Eric Davis, which is why he's my favorite. And I think he should get more money than anybody else for pure entertainment purposes. Right. That's, my, that's what I'm sticking with. All right, moving on to news around the league. We had the Midwest Conference. We had the Louisiana State Championship, and we had the New Mexico State Championship. The Midwest Conference for singles, we had Ryan, Ryan Wiedenfield take first, Tyler Amos take second, and Craig Irvin take third. For doubles, Ryan Wiedenfield and Carson Getty, Josh Hudsaker and Matthew Troxell, Damon Reynolds and Trevor Theon for our advanced doubles. Uh, for the Louisiana State Championship, for singles, Peyton Mares, Ian Cripps, and Brent Dickery. For doubles, Riley Smith and Cameron Corley, Peyton, Mar Peyton Mares and Kobe Costanza, and Chase Migas and Ian Cripps. And then in New Mexico, we had Caleb Franklin for first, Sebastian Alvarado for second, and Dean Parker for third. And for our doubles, Dean Parker and Caleb Franklin, Vinny Ap Apodaca and Elijah Apodaca for second, Nailed Michael it. Gamboa. <laughs> we hope and Tanner <laughs> Hamill. Um, so those are all of our winners over the weekend. Uh, Trey, do you have any thoughts on any of that, whether that's the conference or the state championships? Uh, we'll talk about it a little in a second. Really two quick thoughts. Peyton Mayer is now two-time Louisiana State champion. That's a big accomplishment, especially there. Him and Costanza have a good run, so Peyton Mayer is certainly playing at a high level right now. I guess really the only other second one is Ryan, Ryan Wiedenfeld is, I yes. think, emerging – as a top pro prospect for next season. I think he's going to, when we talk about rookie class next year, I think he may be one of the headliners. Trey, I agree with that completely. I've been able to see Wiedenfeld live. I've called a couple of his matches. I'm not sure if the age thing comes into play and hurts him a little bit, but we're talking about a junior bagger. He's got all the shots. He's nice. I'd like to see him uh, make it into the pro division for sure. Awesome. Well, next we're going to bring on Jeff McCarriger and get some of his thoughts on the season. So welcome, Jeff, to the show. Happy hey, I, th I thought, I thought we were going to talk Jeff? about the Kansas Jayhawks. We're talking cornhole? <laughs> That's where we are right now. I don't know if you know that. Uh, you won't let it go, Jeff. You won't let it go, will you? <laughs> hey, it's only been a week. Give me just a yeah, little bit true. of time. You get you get a couple weeks, right? Yeah, at least, right? <laughs> maybe Maybe a month. <laughs> well, on, what's up, guys? Show, so good to see you guys. Yeah, you too, on man. this show we do like to talk about cornhole a lot. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're doing. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's funny because I was listening to you guys when I was back in the in the green room, and uh, you know, I I was I was kind of looking over things today, and it's so interesting that you guys were talking about this, and and maybe you talked about it a little bit more with Mike too. But I was kind of looking back just in case you asked me what you know one of my surprises were, and and really you guys kind of brought it up. Eric Davis and Brett Guy. 
like Trey, I was just thinking about that over the first two nationals. Like we really have not talked about them at uh, you know very much at all. I'm really kind of shocked by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been not what they were last year, and what they were last year was dominant. I mean, I would say yeah. it's even more of a surprise on the doubles front. Exactly. Because right? as individual singles players last year, Guy and Davis were both really good. As a doubles team, they were elite, right? I mean, they were they were the team competing to to overthrow Graham and Guy as the team of the year. They won the pro shootout doubles championship. I mean, at yeah. times they were literally the best team in the world. And now it's like, what happened? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Whoa, I'm like, wow, we haven't even really talked about them on a broadcast at all. And yeah. and one thing that I what I was thinking about is like, you know, did they the bag switch going to a bag that they like more actually hurt them? Like, I don't know, because they're not throwing assaults anymore. I mean, I believe I believe Davis is throwing the embers, and Guy maybe throwing the embers mixed with some, mixed with, with some other stuff. But, I mean, just yeah. I mean, that is weird. Well, and you can, and you can say, I mean, as far as fire cornhole goes, while we're on that subject, you can say the same thing about Jamie, right? I mean, J- I mean, Jason designed this new bag for Jamie Graham this season, and, right. and he was going with it. He liked it, said no more excuses. All of a sudden, he didn't like it. But then he didn't play well, and now he switched back. So, I mean, you know, I still think yeah. that that team is still really kind of struggling with their feel right now. Yeah, 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 so. All right, so there's your cornhole. Now back to the That's all I got. Uh, you two minutes. You know what? We're proud of you. I'm exhausted. No, I'd yeah. like to, uh, I just want to, if I could switch the gear to commentary real quick. So, um, uh, Trey, first of all, thank you. Gave me the opportunity to do USA Cornhole on NBC. Thank you for that opportunity. And one of my first times out there was with you, Jeff. And this was, it was this was crazy. I mean, I, I have like almost no TV experience. We were in Nashville inside the hockey rink. And I mean, it just seemed extra pressure. I mean, we're on the ice. The jumbotron was above, above us. All these people rolling in off the strip in Nashville because we were handing out a bunch of tickets. The stands filled up. I mean, it was it, I couldn't remember the last cornhole event I was at where you you couldn't hear yourself commentating. I mean, that's how yeah. much energy we had in the stands. Yeah. But uh, uh, as nervous as I was, Jeff, I just wanted to say thank you. I mean, you, you just seemed calm. You know, you're a veteran at this. It was like, yeah, we got this. So I kind of fed off of your uh, off of your emotion. Uh, to really help me calm that. So what a great experience. Thank you for uh, for that opportunity. Too, Trey. Oh, you're it. welcome. And I, and I I appreciate that. And and I so appreciate what guys like you and what Trey do because I can't do what you guys do. So I kind of feed off of your guys' knowledge, your guys' intelligent, well, knowledge anyway. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I totally feed off of your guys' energy and your knowledge and and just, just your overall presence in the sport. I mean, that 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 helps calm me when I'm out there, knowing that I've got someone like you guys next to me. So it's mutual. Jeff, I mean, wasn't that crazy, though? I mean, not only yeah. did we have, I, want, I don't know, 500 maybe plus people in the stands. Then you got Matt Guy who, like, runs to his car. And he's like, I think I got some bags just sitting in the bottom of my car. Runs out to his car, comes over with a handful of bags. I felt like I was at a basketball game or something, you know, where they're throwing T-shirts in the stands. 
He's ripping fire bags into the stands, and you've got people like fighting over him, trying to catch bags. It was awesome. It was just an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I was on a podcast recently, and we talked about that moment. And that is and because we were talking about you know the next big transition for the sport overall. I'm sure you guys talk about this is getting it to a spectator sport, right? I think I think we've got it to where it's really good on TV. Yeah, we can we can make some improvements, um, but it's 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 pretty good on TV right now. But the next big step for the sport is going to be making this spectator sport and getting fans out there and and to you know again small sample size for me it's been two and a half years now but that was i mean we've had some great moments in rock hill obviously the last two years but a lot of that is our own players and they're and, and feeding off their own energy that event and those fans that we had in nashville is the single largest spectator event as far as cornhole goes that i that i've seen so far and that, that was it was incredible was the audience like, what were they most impressed with? Like just when they got it in everything. the hole or were they like It was so everything? funny. Oh, the, 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 the very first bag in the tournament. First bag out, just a standard slide shot into the hole. The whole crowd erupted. Me and Jeff were like, because <laughs> pros it's like make how we, horror. It's like how we react to the um, celebrities when the celebrities get it anywhere near the hole. We're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> pros make terrible fans. I mean, you could throw a sweet little roll bag over a double stack and so people true. are snoring oh, yeah. in the stands. But these guys were just hole shots. There was like three or four in a row and everyone's going crazy. And we're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> and, and that's in Anthony. I mean, that that is my point. I mean, if Bernie and I argue this point to no end, but that's what the common fan loves to see. I'm telling you, my family and friends back in Iowa and Kansas, they want nothing more than to see 30 straight hit in, you know, hit in the hole because they can't do that. Right, you right. know when the, when they see when they see you know the players crafting shots, either, going for right? air, air mails, <laughs> missing right, missing left. They they don't realize the high technical shot that they're trying to hit. They just see a, a you know a miss. So they like it when when they see 30, 35, 40 in a row. And that day in Nashville, I mean that that was exactly it. And it was so great, Mish, because anytime they would hit a shot. You know, like Anthony said, you know, it would erupt. You go, yeah. <laughs> and then and then if they'd hit four or five in a row, then it would get really loud, like literally a roar of, of crowd. And then as soon as they would miss, like as, as soon as Don missed missed a shot, then he gets booed mercilessly, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, 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 the fans turned on him in a second. Awesome. And there's the loyalty. <laughs> yeah, it was great. You're not allowed to miss. I mean, that wouldn't, I wouldn't think be very entertaining cornhole. I mean, yeah. you see rolls, that, that you see air belts, you see cuts. I mean, to me, there's nothing more impressive, but I get that those shots aren't as percentage-wise likely to hit. So, yeah. So, so why. Jeff, I asked Bernie the last same the same question last week when he had him on. What are your? You've been now for two and a half years with us. What are your some of your favorite on the court and off the court memories you've had with the ACL so far? Oh gosh, on the court we've had so many now. Um, I, I would say I would say Nashville is out there. I, I don't know if I can rank number one or number two. Yeah, um, just I, actually, you know what? One of my one of my first early great memories was probably with you. I think it was with you, Trey, and and I don't even think it was a linear broadcast. What was the one that we did with um, with Jamie Graham and Noah Wooten? Remember when they were going back oh, yeah, in, the in Valley chase. Forge? Oh, yeah, yeah. final chase. Yeah. That, that's, that's one of my favorite matches because I think that was, for the first time, that's where I saw something go like crazy, like 30-something, 40-something rounds, you know, 250-something total bag. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, and they each had to be perfect. 
Like literally the next person who made a mistake was going to lose. And neither one made a mistake for round after round yes. after round. And I remember sitting there and again, it was Valley Forge two years ago, thinking to myself, holy crap, this is a whole different level of cornhole than I've yeah. ever seen before in my life. That was, I mean, that, that, I mean, if I had to pick one, believe it or not, that might be my top moment. But uh, gosh, I mean, in Rock Hill, we've had some great crowds. I mean, literally roar of a crowd. Um, what, you know, Duncan Clemmer last year, right? Yeah. In front of in front of his home crowd. I mean, that's got to be up there. M Marty and McGee, when we had them there that night. I mean, the crowd was electric. I mean, there's really been some some incredible moments. So I guess those are probably the top three or four that that stand out. And then off and then off the court is, I mean, easy hands down. And again, I, I can't I can't pick one person, but the relationships that I've built so far in this sport um truly that actually kind of makes me emotional just thinking about it i mean j just to start trey with you i mean i can't i can't thank you for the the knowledge that you have shared with me and the patience you've had with me to bait me step me into this whole new world that i had never been a part of before uh and then me i mean to meet you and anthony of course to meet you and work with you i mean stacy bernie mike josh i mean all the people behind uh, fred i don't even want to start naming people because i'm going to get in trouble <laughs> But then, but then the players, I mean, go, going from day one, when it was Jamie Graham and Noah Wooten and Matt Sorrells, who I, who I walked up to, never having broadcast Cornhole before, and the three of them being so gracious to give me, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you know, just to tell me about what they're doing, about the sport, um, you know, keys to the game, just stupid stuff that I would ask them about, you know, because I didn't know, but they were patient with me. And and to still have those relationships. Um, and again, I hate to even start mentioning players because, you know, I, I don't want to leave out Eric Anderson sharing his story with me and Stephen Bernisette and Jay Rubin and Sarah Cassidy and Cheyenne. I mean, everybody, uh, just the relationships off the court have been incredible. Borderline is supposed to be the deep show. Borderline. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Getting all you deep asked, on us, man. You, you started it. Yeah, you finished it. That's <laughs> true. I know. No, it's, been, it's been a while. It's been an amazing ride, Jeff. Uh, we really appreciate it. I mean, I even say this, and I'll add this last minute thing because I know Michelle's going to yell at us for timing. But I even say, you know, the thing that I appreciate about you more than anything, Jeff, was that there were so many times and so many iterations of people that we went through in your position that I just wanted to give a you-know-what, right? <laughs> I just wanted someone to care. Like I yeah. wanted someone to walk yeah. up there and care about what they were calling and you, you way exceeded those expectations, right? You dove in completely. You now ho you host a cornhole podcast. Careful throwing that around. But no, I'm hooked. Yeah, I'm totally, I, I am totally hooked though. I absolutely love it. So it's, it's been a great ride. Yay. Well, we thanks for coming it. on, Jeff. We love right, having you on the show. Me, we, love, we love having you as part of the team. Anytime. Talk thanks, to you, Jeff. Bye, guys. See you. All right. Moving on to open standings and top pro prospects. If we look at open standings right now, we have uh, Jimmy Humans, Tony Smith, Jacob Trusinski, Eric Davis, Storm Hogue, Berkeley Pear, Justin Stranger, Jacob Foreman, Frank Maudlin, and Bobby Hunt. So those are our, our top 10 in the open standings and our top 10 amateurs are Bobby Hunt, Nick Patuski, Nathan Tarkington, Jason Tyson, Timothy Pitcher, Zachary Stickney, Steve Derrick, Clayton Arch, Trey Turner, and Travis Purser. 
So if we look at all these names, we can kind of get an idea of maybe what our next season might shape out to look like. Some of our pros will be if you look at the amateurs, but just wondering kind of what your thoughts are on all those open standings. I'll start with you, Anthony. Yeah, just looking at the open standings, I mean, look at this list. Jimmy Eumann, shooter. Tony Smith, shooter. Jacob Trzinski. I mean, you're talking about a list of guys that eat, breathe, and sleep cornhole. I mean, they're deep into this game. They're attending all the events. No surprise that they're up there. But one thing worth mentioning, Trey, is if you look at the amateurs, we have to go through a pretty long list of pros before we finally hit an amateur. I think that's a testament to the strength of the league right now. If we look to last year, I feel like we had amateurs really showing up much earlier in the list. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, you hit, it, you hit the nail on the head. And I think it's because more people are shooters, right? In order to for a pro to commit, right, I'll say this much. Matt Guy is probably never going to be number one in open standings. And part of the reason, at least until he can do it as a full-time job, because it's a commitment. It's a grind yes. to be number one in open standings. You have to go to at least one open. You probably have to go to multiple because it's hard to – I mean – hard to max out on open points at one of them, right? So you're going to multiple opens. You're going to at least two conferences, three if you want to guarantee a high, a high, you know, you want to be able to drop one, at least five regionals, and then 10 local events. So it is a grind to get there. So I think we're just seeing a lot more pros taking it a lot more seriously. Someone that's doing cornhole as their full-time job, yes, the pro events are going to be more money. They're trying to win 10 grand, but – being able to sneak away, go to an open an open event and win two grand, that you know, that pays the bills in a way, you yeah. know. So we're gonna see a lot more of those as 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 our league gets bigger and deeper. Yeah, definitely. I did hey Mish, just one comment on uh, some of the amateurs there. I, I got a chance to see Bobby Hunt shoot in Myrtle Beach. I was really impressed with him. He he's got an interesting little hitch in his swing, you know. It's very characteristic. If you see it from far away, you're gonna recognize it, but doesn't surprise me he's at the top of that amateur uh, list of 10 there. So um, I think Bobby Hunt's coming and uh, definitely has what it takes to be a pro out of that amateur group. Do you think there's ever, like out of these amateurs, maybe not this specific list, but in general, top amateurs that don't want to be pro, that just want to stay amateur? Oh, certainly. I, I, yeah. I would bet on the fact that there's going to be a handful of people that that get an opportunity to be a pro and they choo choose not to. It's a, Again, it's a dedication to be a pro. Dedication. I mean, you know, you have to commit to that level of grind and it's not easy to do. It's not an easy grind to do. Um, so so looking at this list, I'm just I'm, I'm interested to see if, if everybody does. I mean, the, the three the three that I would say there's four that I'm familiar with on this on this list Bobby Hunt uh, you know Anthony already mentioned there um, the second Jason Tyson he's a North Carolina player he's played alongside and around Jamie Graham for years so you know he's he's got plenty of experience we'll just see if he can kind of finish the season on a high note and be able to you know finish strong uh, how about Timothy Pitcher? Where is he at right now? What? Yeah, is he still in the game? I, I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's our fifth ranked amateur right now. I mean, he's. I'll put it this way: Timothy Pitcher was with us last year, then within the pro division, and he said, um, "I'm not going to come back." Right. Yeah. And then then he said, "No, I am going to come back." And so he he put in an application and. He's had some lot of ups and downs, battles with mental health, a lot of different things. And we said, 
from a staff, I think you're best suited. Let's put you in the, the PDC. Because if we can put you in the PDC, it gives you a lot more flexibility. If you still feel like you have some things that you have to fight through, it brings you still back within the pro division. But it also, you know, it doesn't commit a pro spot that somebody else could have if you couldn't commit for an entire season. He was he was upset. He wanted that pro division spot. Anyway, he turned down the PDC opportunity. Well, three months later, when we talked in Myrtle Beach, he said, I regret that decision every single day. I wish I had taken the PDC spot. I wouldn't have been able to play. I took it. I was I was just angry. I was just angry that I wasn't a part of the group now. So um, so he's like, but he's like, but you know what? It's fine because now I'm just going to earn it. And that's all I want. I'm just going to go out and earn it. And so far he's earning it. And that's exciting to see. I like it. I like the grind. That's how you earn your spot. I think that's yeah. perfect. All right. Are we ready to move on to Holy Hot Takes? You guys got your hot takes ready? Uh, tell Have Anthony go first. Okay. Oh, okay. That means Trey does not have his hot take ready. Um, so, yeah. Talk really slow. <laughs> no, Trey's, I can, I can, I can like go. The, I got it. I got it. But uh, Anthony, Trey, go first. Trey's like the guy at the restaurant where you're like, you're ready to order. And you're like, oh, you go first. Oh, you order yes, first. And then he's at his meal. Like, <laughs> I 100% do that. I'm with you, Trey. <laughs> Go ahead, Anthony. What you got? Okay, uh, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the ladies. I mean, um, so we're it's been a while since we've been past the nationals. We've seen some of the success Lori Duell has had. It hasn't stopped for her. I mean, in between these nationals, this girl's grinding. She's involved in a lot of things cornhole. I think we see Lori Duell in the finals against Cheyenne Renner at the next nationals. I like it. Trey. Yeah, I like a kind of a repeat from Vegas going on there. Yeah, I see it. Um, all right. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with two underperforming veterans, right? I say either Eric Davis or Cody Henderson finish in the top 10 of singles at this next, next national. They're just due. Ooh, I, the, I one of the two of them is going to finish. Happen. I love it. Yeah. Um, mine's not that hot, I will admit, but we were talking about the top eight pro-invitational men, and I think um, Jimmy Eubens is 100% staying in that topic. So, I know not that That's, hot, but we, I didn't it's get not, my It's not scorching, so but it's lukewarm. It's a, it's a warm take. It's a warm take. <laughs> It's a warm take, I'll, I'll admit. All right, that's all we got today. We will see you guys next week for Around the ACL. Thanks for tuning in.